Isaiah chapter 45, verse 2. says, I will go before you and will level the mountains. I will break down the gates of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. Verse 3. I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places, so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name. It's a personal, personal, personal scripture. Father, have your way. Be with us in these next few moments. Let your spirit guide. And Lord, let the atmosphere from the outside work its way towards the inside so that your Holy Spirit can change us. Father, we give you the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' name. We all said? Amen. Before you see this, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, it is our time. Then you may be seated. Praise the Lord. Now, for those of you that are here visiting with us for the first time, listen, yesterday we had a great, great time in the Lord. Uh, we had our Fresh Start class, and that was a great, great time. I, I really loved it. I enjoyed it. I actually helped put this whole class together. I didn't do every single course, but I put a lot of them, the majority of them together from phase one to phase two, phase three. Took a lot of time, took a lot of effort, a lot of study uh, to put that together. And so yesterday, uh, even though I had put it together, I enjoyed it. I had a delightful time yesterday with every single man and woman that was there. Uh, and it was a tremendous, tremendous time. We had a few teachers. And that is the place, and that is the atmosphere where you're able to come and you can ask questions, right? With the teacher's there, and the teacher's teaching, and you're saying, hey, but what does that mean? Why do we have to come to church? Why do we do that? Why, why do you, we have to give? What's the purpose of giving? And you're able to get in there, and there's so many uh, scriptures to every single part of it. And so while we were there yesterday, I got inspired. I got real inspired. I was like, man, you know, this is Victory Outreach here. This is the base of who we are and, and what is going on. And so I got real inspired. And as I was putting the study together, I was remembering that I'm a 49er fan. You like, you like that smooth transition, huh? That was good. That was good. And I say that because um, I was talking with this guy, and he's a Seahawks fan. I, I know, Seahawks fans need Jesus, amen? And, but we were talking, we were, we were dialoguing, we were having a good conversation. Now, the Seahawks lately, they, you know, they've been pretty good, so we were going back and forth, and, and I was talking about how, man, you know, we pretty much the whole 49ers last year was dismantled. We lost Patrick Willis, and then we lost our pretty much the third runner-up for Rookie of the Year, uh, Borland. I was like, man, he was the backup to Willis, and so he retired, and I was like, oh, my gosh, and then, then our coach left and all this. I was like, my God, we're losing everybody over here. I felt like half the 49ers, we lost the Cowboy, right, Justin Smith. I mean, just everybody. And I was like, what is going on here, right? And so he's, we're talking back and forth, right? And so I'm getting a little depressed, right? I was like, ugh. And then, but, you know, we kept on talking. And so finally I said, well, you know what? Well, we got five Super Bowls. And he's all, well, yeah, well, we just won one. I go, how many you got? You got one. That's it. You know, that's kind of like the last resort is 49er fans, right? Like, what else are we going to say? Like, but at least we got five. And, he, and I go, I even asked him this. I go, can you name me anybody in the 90s from the Seattle Seahawks? And he was like, uh, go, dude, come on, Steve Larger, bro. What's up? I'm not even a Seahawks fan. I know that. And I said, look, don't get mad at me because we have a history. That's just the way that it is. I can't change history. I can change the future, but I can't change history. Don't get mad at me. Listen to me, Victory Average Heart of the Bay. You have a history, and it's a great one. You have a championship legacy DNA that is flowing through you within Victory Average Heart of the Bay. That's what you have. And so when people, if they try to go, well, Victory Average, don't get mad at me. We just got a great history. 
And every once in a while, it's good to appreciate it. But here today, I don't want to appreciate it. I want to make sure that we understand the foundation of it. That we understand, that you understand that who we are as Victory Outreach. The other day, uh, yesterday, I was talking with Pastor Gilbert Alcala. He is uh, one of the pastors that came up here back in the 80s. Actually, 1980 is when he got here. And he went to San Francisco. And when he came to San Francisco, about six or seven months later, my father came here. Uh, in 1981 to uh, Hayward, California, there off Tennyson, Roos Road, if you guys are familiar with the area. And we had a little uh, uh, car garage right there, and that's where we started. Pastor Ed came in 1979 to San Jose. He went right to Story and King, and, you know, just right there. And, and that's how Northern California Victory Outreaches got started. Those men are the ones that we called the pioneers. And the reason why we call them the pioneers is because they went to a place where there was no trail that was blazed. They had no idea what they were doing. Matter of fact, we were talking, I was talking with Pastor Gilbert yesterday, and we were talking about how when they came up here, there wasn't no ceremony, no service. They didn't even pick up an offering for them. It was basically, oh, Stephen Josie, you want to go where? Hayward. God bless you. That was it. They just knew I had a calling. I was called by God to do something great. I don't have a lot of resources. I don't have a lot of money. I don't even have a whole lot of wisdom or education. But one thing I do have is I have a calling of God. And so because of that generation, we're here today. A bunch of pioneers that went to a place where they had no idea, but they knew that God had called them. Come on, if you believe that and you're excited about that, give the Lord a hand of praise. That was the pioneer generation. That was back then, as they would say in football, where you can hit people and you wouldn't get flagged for it. Right? You watch football today, and they just barely tap the quarterback. Ah, flag. And you're like, oh, come on, man. But if you look back then, Dick Buckkiss and all those guys and the, 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 the fearsome foursome, the, you know, those guys, I mean, they were like hit people, put them on the ground, they would stomp on their head and be like, yeah, and I hope you don't like it, you know. just See, back then, that's how they used to treat devils. Same thing. It was the same thing. See, I understand we got all these policies and we got, okay, we got to make sure we do this and all make sure we do it like that. And, but listen, don't forget about how the pioneers got you here. They got you here and just said, hey, let's go. We're going to hit the streets. Uh, what time should we, is there flyers? Uh, do, do we have, should, should I make sure that we come? We're just going to hit the streets. Just show up. That's it. Just come. That type of generational thinking changed Northern California, changed California, and even changed the world. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. See, this generation, they were very unique people. And if you know anything about Pastor Ed, he was very unique. Hey, I want you to know that we're going to get a race I'll tell you right now, I was thinking about this the other day. If my father were to preach behind this pulpit, it'd be broken already. He used to come and go, bang! And my father was not a small guy. A big guy. Matter of fact, one time he was, he was speaking at a, a pastor's, minister's luncheon there for Mighty Men of Valor. And it was, the, uh, we didn't have an international pulpit. They had Pastor Augie's pulpit, I think it was, Eagle Rock. And he came and he hit the pulpit and he broke it, cracked it. It was glass, it was strong glass, not weak. Strong. Boom, busted the thing. And he looked at it. He looked at Pastor Augie. He said, it's okay, Pastor Augie, you're in a building fund. You can pay for it. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Who got it? Boom, broke the thing. These kind of men and women were more concerned about winning souls. They were concerned about fulfilling the call of God rather than the comfort of their own soul. This pioneer generation, they received God's purpose and their values for the ministry. Then what they did is this pioneer generation, they reached another generation called the Joshua generation. 
In this Joshua generation, what was very important and what still is very important to this generation is that this Joshua generation is a bridge builder's. In other words, they take the principles and the values from the pioneers and they bridge it over to the next generation. So it's very important that they hold on to it. My father used to say is that leaders are like bridges. You don't appreciate them until the storms come. When a storm comes, then you're like, man, thank God for this bridge. Thank God it was there because you couldn't get from this place to the other place without that bridge being there. You don't think about crossing a water without that bridge. And so the Joshua generation has a very unique call as well. They are the link between the past and the future, between the roots and the direction of where this ministry is to go. This Joshua generation has a very profound responsibility. we got to remind ourselves who we are and transmit this vision to the next generation. And listen to me, if we don't transmit this this vision, we will die. We're going to die. I was listening to a pastor from an Assemblies of God, and he had mentioned, he mentioned it behind the pulpit. He had said that they lost a whole generation because they forgot to transmit the vision in his Assemblies of God church. Not Assemblies of God as a whole, talking about in his church. Very big pastor. And he made a very profound statement. I said, wow, that's, that's very, you know, humble of him to even say that. Because you don't want to say that. You know, everything is good in my church. Everything is great. But my friend, if you don't, transmit those values and principles onto the next generation we're gonna die so that's why right now we take it very serious our kids gang don't think for a second that we just have kids gang workers they go out there and there's like okay guys just uh, uh just you know swing on the swings and uh, God, all right praise the lord all right you know no no our kids gang workers they go out there they get them they're on the swings and say okay you guys done let's go over here we're gonna learn about the bible We're going to learn about the call of God. We're going to learn about the power of God, the purpose of God, what he's doing in our lives. So I'm telling you right now, even as I'm talking to you, the vision is being transmitted to even our kids' gang right now. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise for that. I want to tell you something here this morning of who we are. Somebody say, who we are. Look at the person next to you and ask them, who are you? Come on. Listen, as disciples of Christ, we need to understand something, that who we are as a ministry and who we are as a vision, we are a vision-driven ministry. Vision, we have, God has given us a vision. Can I hear an amen? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people will perish. In another translation, it says, without revelation, the people will run wild. And if you know anything about Victory Outreach folk, we definitely know how to run wild. See, we have a common vision that keeps us together. And what is this vision? And that is to reach the treasures out of darkness, going in hidden places, going where nobody else wants to go, going into the the hidden uh, cracks and crevices of every inner city of the world. We just got back from Cape Town, and when we were there in Cape Town, there was an organization that is inside. Actually, they're even deeper than where we're at. They're even deeper. They actually, every single day, their main objective is to stop the violence and go to where the shootouts are. Matter of fact, I think that's the name of their, there's like stop the violence, what is it? Ceasefire. They're, They're called ceasefire. And that's all they do. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Cape Town, 10th most violent city in the world. And they're in there every single day. And the moment, this is the thing, the moment we told them who we are, they don't let people into their objective at all. Because if you let people in, they can mess up their vision. So when we told them who we are, they said, oh, you're Victory Outreach? You like to go to the worst of the worst? Come with us. And so they got us in there with the main gang leaders, the main heads of Cape Town. And we were able to get in there and pray with them. Nobody else wants to go in there. No, believe me, nobody else is knocking on the door of ceasefire saying, hey, we'd love to go in there into the worst of the worst. But here we are as Victory Outreach saying, hey, where are they at? That's where we want to go. We go into Caracas. 
We go there into El Salvador. We go into these places in Chile. We go into these places even in Canada. They have some of the worst drug addict infested places I've ever seen in the world. In Canada, in Australia. And we say, okay, we drive into a city and say, where is the worst of the worst? And they say, oh, you shouldn't go there. Just tell us, where's the worst of the worst? And they say, over there. That's where we're going to set up shop. God has given us a vision. Can I hear an amen? We are also a ministry of faith. Somebody say faith. faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God. Without faith it is impossible to please God. You can read all throughout the scriptures so many times that are saying that it's talking about, listen, you and I, the just shall live by faith. We need faith in order to fulfill the call that God has given us. We need faith. Faith for the impossible. Listen to me. It doesn't take a whole lot of faith to say, I'm going to come to church on a Sunday afternoon. Doesn't take a whole lot. All it takes is you getting in the car and saying, I'm just going to go. Some of you don't have a whole lot of stuff. Some of you don't work on Sunday, so it's very easy. So it's not that much faith. But it does take a whole lot of faith to show up on a Monday night saying, okay, I'm going to go pray for some people. It does take a whole lot of faith to show up on a Tuesday night saying, okay, I need to go to the hospital. Go pray for this guy. Go pray for this girl. It takes a little bit more faith to say, you know what? Not only am I going to go across the street, I'm going to go across the world. It takes a whole lot of faith to do that. See, we as a church, we are a faith-based ministry. When my father came up here, believe me, we talk, I talked about it earlier. He didn't know what was up here. He didn't know a whole lot of people up here. Matter of fact, he didn't know anybody but one person that we knew through connection through Nikki Cruz, and that was Reverend Sam Sanchez. That was the only person he knew. But that's it. And there wasn't a whole lot of victory outreaches up here. It was Pastor Ed. He was still trying to pioneer work. Pastor Gilbert, he was, they didn't have, nobody had a building, but they just said, hey, let's do it. It took by faith. And listen to me. If we got here by faith, we're going to stay here by, 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 by faith. By faith. Another one is that we are a value ministry, a value Driven ministry, we have five E's and three C's. We talked about this yesterday. Exaltation, evangelism, establishing, envisioning, and even equipping. We want to equip the saints. That's why I want to encourage you. For those of you that you have not gotten involved in Bethy yet, you need to get involved. You got to get involved. You got to get equipped. Listen to me. I know you love church. I know you love your pastor. I know you love your leaders. I know you love your life group. But I, I want to challenge you. If you love your God, get to know your God. Get to know him. I mean, imagine it like this. Just think of it like this. For those of you who say, well, I don't really need Bethy. It's not that big a deal. Think of it like this. If you came to church just one Sunday, or excuse me, one Sunday a week, which is four times a month, you came to church. And imagine this, for those of you that are married, you only showed up to your house, to your husband or wife, four times a month. Let me ask you this, how many of you, you would still be married? I know, I wouldn't be. Imagine if I just showed up to my wife on a Sunday morning, hey, how you doing, babe? How are the kids? Kids great? Hey, man, very powerful. Are they good? Need any money? Here you go. All right. See you next Sunday. But that's how many of us, I know it sounds a little humorous, but that's how many of us treat God. So, hey, I saw you on Sunday. I saw you on Sunday. I know I didn't get to know you on Monday. It wasn't a big deal on Tuesday. Wednesday, you know I was tired. But that's how some of us treat. That's why it's very important. You got to get equipped. Get in there. Read your word. Get this thing and put it inside of you. That's why I tell people all the time, well, after I'm done with this preaching, just don't take my word for it. Go home, dissect it, get these scriptures, read it, get it inside of you. Let this be a part of you. Equip yourself. Be equipped. Can I hear an amen? amen. See, and that is a value of who we are. Roy Disney said, it's not hard to make decisions when you know what your values are. It's easy to make choices when you know your values. No, no, we don't do that. Yes, that's what we do. No, we don't. Ooh, that, that, that's not the kind of people we are. Yes, this is who we are. We know exactly who we are because God has chosen us and brought us out. Can I hear an amen? amen? Albert Einstein said this, Try not to become a man of success, but rather try to become a man of value. Be a man of value and a woman of value. 
Also, number four, what we are is we are a family-oriented ministry. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 says, every day, somebody say every day. Somebody say every day. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Can you imagine having church every day? That's awesome. To me, that's awesome. Like, wow, every day. Now, I'm not talking church like this. I'm talking church. You can have church in your home. Did you know that? The Bible says wherever two or three are gathered, some of you, you have that right away, especially if you're Mexican. You got a lot of kids. You've already got two or three gathered. You just got to gather them up. Amen. There he is in the midst. You don't need a sound system and lights and a screen and a cross and a piano. You don't, all you need is, you know what, let's gather the saints together. Why don't you guys just come over to the house, let's have some church tonight. That's it. That's all you need. It's a family. See, that's the great thing I love about Victory Hours is that we're a family. Wherever you go, I was snowed in in Chicago one time, and when I got snowed in, I, I called on the payphone, yeah, because that's when payphones were still, you know, applicable at the time, amen. I got on the payphone, I was snowed in in the Chicago airport, and I, I had no idea. There wasn't phones and all this, cell phones. I didn't have anything on me. I didn't know anybody in Chicago. This was back in like 1997 or 98, I think it was, and I was like, man, what do I do? I opened up the yellow pages. You guys remember that thing? It was a yellow page, big old thick book, and I opened it up. I was like, oh my gosh, please let there be a victory hour. Please let there be a victory outreach. Please let ah, victory outreach. This was at like 10:30 at night. So 10:30, nobody's in the office at 10:30 at night. But I was like, I'm gonna try it anyways. I'm just gonna call. And I tried. I called. I was like, oh, okay. They gave me the men's home number, right? Because they, God bless you. Welcome to victory outreach. If you'd like to reach our rehab homes, call it. Oh, I wrote it down. I said, okay, boom, hung up, got it again. I was like, man, I, I please, uh, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll answer this phone. Snowed in. I don't know what to do. I'm not gonna go anywhere. I called the men's home director. Picked it up. Said, hey, my name's you know uh, Stevan Pineda. And they're like, oh, Pastor Steve, son. I go, yeah, that's him. They're like, oh, we'll go get you right now. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know. <laughs> But if you know me, I, I don't play that whole, you know, pastor's son card. I've never done that. But at that time, I was like, hey, man, praise the Lord, brother. That's who, that's who I am. Amen. I used it right there. I think I've used it twice in my whole life, and that was one of them. I was like, hey, man, praise the Lord. See that card right there? And they came and they picked me up. But imagine that. In the middle of Chicago, I didn't know anybody. I don't know nothing. Snowed in. They drove in the snow to come pick me up. They didn't have to, but that's what family will do. Yeah. Family will do that. Listen to me. I know some of you right now, you're not, uh, 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 you're, you might be at odds with even the person next to you, but listen, that's the great thing about it. Still your family. Yeah. Family has disputes. Yeah. Family has disagreements. Yeah. Family sometimes, they don't like each other all the time. But guess what? It's still your family. Yeah. Still your family. So I want to challenge some of you when you come here on a Sunday morning and you're like, you already know, like, oh, I'm not going to shake her hand. I'm not going to shake her hand. I'm not going to shake her hand. I'm not going to shake. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray that God puts her in your path so that you have to shake her hand. Oh, I wasn't talking to the women. I was talking to the husbands. I was talking to the husbands. That's your wife. Shake her hand. We're family. We don't always get along, but we will always go along. Can I hear an amen? We're connected. The fifth thing also of who we are is that we are discipleship-based ministry. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 says, Therefore, go and make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples. For those of you that are within the church leadership, you already know this is the beginning of this year. We've talked about that. Well, that's what we're talking about this year, making disciples. Have you been able to do that, that one Wednesday a month that we've been talking about, taking the time, separating it? Listen, I know you got your family. I know you got your agenda. I know you got to wash clothes. I know you got to clean the car. I know you got to clean the house. I know you got a lot of different things. But are you taking the time to make disciples? Getting that time, separating it. Matter of fact, for those of you that say, well, I got to wash clothes. I got a great idea. Call your disciple over and teach her how to wash clothes. 
Just try it. You heard it the other day uh, on Thursday night. I know it's funny. I didn't think he was going to say it. But John came up here and he said, and he was all, yeah, I'm thankful for pastor. He taught me how to shave. <laughs> now, I don't know when you think that was, but that was just recently I taught him how to shave. Because <laughs> he wanted to learn. He said, I don't know how to shave. All right, I'll teach you. Somebody taught me. Yeah. I'm going to teach you. Somebody showed me how to hit the streets, I'll show you how to hit the streets. Somebody showed me how to pray, I'll show you how to pray. Somebody showed me how to preach, I'll show you how to preach. Somebody showed me how to lift the hand, I'll show you how to lift your hands. That's discipleship. Being able to reproduce yourself. Multiplication. Listen, if we are going to reach the world, it's not going to happen by all of us coming to church on a Sunday morning. We've got to multiply ourselves. Multiply. See, it's not just something to hear the word, but you got to do it. Go and make. Tell your neighbor, go and make disciples. How do we do it? One of the ways that we do it is in our recovery homes. Thank God for our recovery homes. And this is the great thing I love about our recovery homes. They are free. Free. Now, I want you to know something. I, I, me, personally, I want to give a big hand clap to all of you. You may not know this, but you also help support our recovery homes. So thank you, every single one of you, that you give and your offerings. You get that helps support. That helps support. They go out and they do some work here and there. But I'm going to tell you something. A lot of times, it, especially in today's day and age, in the society of today, it takes a lot of work. And so we help sustain that. That's, that's another point that I'm going to talk about later. We help sustain that. We're self-sustaining with that. So our recovery homes, we want to thank you for that. Amen. And I'm believing as we grow the church, I can't wait. I want a women's home, man. We need a women's home. We need, right, Angelica? Come on, we need a women's home. She's a graduate of our women's home. Graduate, we need more. If there's anybody that should be clapping the loudest, it's Geronimo. Thank God for the women's home, amen? <laughs> See, some of you single guys, you need to be praying for a women's home, amen? We got our recovery homes. We got our UTCs, the urban training centers. These are vital to the bridging over of the values and the principles. Our church services, this is very important why we gather together of what we do here in the heart of the bay. Can I hear an amen? amen? Another thing of who we are is that we emphasize on having a sense of dignity. Somebody say dignity. dignity. The speaker that you're going to hear in just a little bit in a couple weeks, he wrote a book, Nikki Cruz, called Give Me Back My Dignity. Titus chapter 2, verse 7 says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity and show dignity. See, the thing I love about it is that th this ministry takes nobodies and turns them into somebodies. Allows that to happen. I was talking with Fresh Start yesterday and saying, man, I, I thank God for a ministry like Victory Hour Resistance. I, I've traveled all over the world. I, I've been associated and, and cooperated to, together with a lot of other ministries, and we thank God for them. I love, even right now, Tempo de la Cruz. That is a great church. They're a powerful church. Glad tidings. I don't know if we would be here. To be honest. We might. Maybe God would have found another way. But God used glad tidings to how I thank God for a ministry like that. Uh, there's a lot of other churches. Lose that via neighborhood church. Uh, the, the, the Pentecostals of Hayward. I mean, there's so many great churches all around. I mean, just some powerful ones. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so listen, the one thing I love, though, about Victory Outreach that they love about us is that we reach in to where nobody wants to reach brings them out and says, hey, let's clean them up. And they're somebodies now. Making nobodies and bringing them into somebodies. Can I hear an amen? With a sense of dignity. See, people always ask me sometimes, well, why do you guys wear ties on Sunday? You guys, that's old school. No, it's not old school. Just know this. It's still school. I like wearing ties. What's the big deal? You don't have to wear a tie. Listen, for those of you that are visiting Victory Outreach, you don't have to wear a tie. You don't, you don't have to wear a dress. If you don't want to wear a dress, don't wear a dress. Just wear clothes. 
That's just a good thing. Wear clothes, right? Good piece of advice. But you don't have to. Not at all. But when I come, I just like a, a sense of dignity. It's just, it, feel, it feels good to wear a tie. I don't wear a tie Monday through Saturday, but, man, on Sundays, I want to dress nice. That's why I know even some of you guys are, oh, Pastor, that's a nice jacket. I'm like, all right, thank you. It's good. I have, uh, out of all the jackets I have, only two I bought. The majority of all them, you guys bought them for me. So I was just like, hey, all right. I wear, I wear it proud because you guys got it for me. Why, thank you. It just, it feels good. You know what it is? It's like a redemption lift. That's what it is, a redemption lift. A people that were not a people have become a people by God. That's it. So when people see, and believe me, when people see you dressed up, and believe me, for those of you that you were out there in the world, and I mean out there, out there in the world, you never wore a suit. Even to funerals, you didn't even wear a suit. You barely wore a collar if you wanted to. Like, you wouldn't wear suits for nothing. But all of a sudden, that gives you purpose. You feel your integrity coming, your character's growing up. That's why even sometimes when you come in with a tie, don't people say, hey, God bless you, pastor, and you're not even a pastor. You're like, amen. <laughs> right? Because I don't know what it is. It just kind of gives you that, that dignified feeling. I, I, I like this feeling that God has given me. And from what's on the inside, I want it to show on the outside. Can I hear an Amen quality. Somebody say quality. quality. Another thing of who we are is that we are self-sustaining ministry. In other words, it's all in the house. It's all in the house. We don't get government funds to keep this church or the home going. The home and the church goes by all the finances that you provide. That's how this church is able to keep going. Listen to me. And I love it because we keep to this principle. Uh, I shared this story a little while ago. I think I only shared it once. That we have this drama. It's called Shotgun. And in this drama of what we've been doing, we have been pitching this as a movie. We're trying to take it from a stage play to a screenplay. We met with a couple guys one time. I think I went down with uh, myself, I think Brother Augie and a, a few others. We went down and we met with these people. And we came down. When we came back, I got a phone call about a week later. They wanted to buy the rights to the movie Shotgun. And when they wanted to buy the rights to the movie Shotgun, we were like, hey, that sounds pretty good. How much you want to buy it for? He said a million dollars. Ooh, sounds pretty good. A million dollars. So right away when I heard a million dollars, I was like, hey, we got ourselves a building. We can get a building now. Sounds great. Sounds good. They said, oh, yeah, but once we buy the rights, we're going to change it. I said, wait, 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 wait. You going, what? You going to change what? They're like, oh, yeah, because they, they love the story. And if you've ever watched Shotgun, it's a great story. It's really good the way it's put together and they got this family. Really good story. But then all of a sudden, they said, we love the story, but we're going to take out the gospel. Uh, let me pray on that. No. No. Like, see, because Hollywood thinks, well, they need our money. They're a small church. No, 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 no. We may be small in size, but we're huge in values. We're huge in principles. And we don't, we don't need your money to keep this vision going. This is a God-called heavenly vision. And God has called us in the beginning. God has called us now. And he's going to call us in the future. Listen, my friend, when the world tries to come in and say, hey, listen, we got a little bit of something for you. But all you got to do, you got to change who you are. No, my friend, we don't change who we are. God has called us. God has separated us. We know who we are. We know what God has called us to do. And we are a, a, a ministry of vision and a ministry of dignity. And we are a self-sustaining ministry. If you believe that, give the Lord a hand of praise. And in the same way, listen to me. In the same way, you got to know something that God will supply all your needs. Listen to me. Not your boss. I hope that sinks in right there. It's not your boss. Because you think, oh, my boss is going to give me more overtime. Therefore, I'm going to get more money. You know what I have found? Is that folks that sometimes do it on their own, I'm going to get more overtime. They find out they get less money. True story. I'm not making it up. Well, how is that supposed to happen? I, I worked overtime. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to have more money. 
It's a, see, it's a principle. It's the principle. I talked about it a few weeks ago. If you come in a couple weeks, I'm going to share a second part to that, uh, the, the, the sermon on finances, right? Talked about getting out of debt. Come on, somebody. Acting your wage. Come on, somebody. Act your wage. Don't be trying to spend more. Get rid of those credit cards. Those things are like, uh, my God. Can you think about that? There's a credit card called MasterCard. I'll just leave it at that. Can't serve to. I'll leave it at that. Another thing, another value of who we are is that we are inner city focused ministry. Acts chapter 26 verse 19 says, so then King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. See, we have a specific vision to reach the inner cities of the world. A specific call. God has called us specifically to that. Now, this is very important because when you understand that vision, you won't look back at your history. You will look back at the history that God has called you to. I'm going to say that one more time just so you understand it. You won't look back at your history. You will look back at the history that God has called you to. Now, this is a perfect example. I am a perfect living example of that. I never did any drugs. I never gang banged. I never shot nobody. I ne- matter of fact, the only time I remember, the consciously remember drinking was one time at a church of communion. That was it. I didn't drink. I didn't like it. Now, I partied. Okay, yes, I did party. But when I went to party, I was always sober. I, see, I had a different mindset. I went to parties just to connect with friends and out there because we played baseball. But my thing was, I'm going to become a millionaire by the time I'm 19. That was my goal. I'm becoming a millionaire. So I never touched any of that stuff. But listen to me. I know the vision that God has called me to. So that's why when you see me, me up here, it's, it's funny because people don't think I hear them, but I hear them. When, when we do the shotgun drama and, and people are like, oh my gosh, that's the pastor? He looks like a thug. <laughs> he looks hardcore. We did the drama in San Diego one time. And um, I, I had Padre. I had a Chargers jersey on. I had the Padre. I, you know, I went out San Diego. did the whole thing San Diego. And the drama was called Street Dreams. We were out there. We did Street Dreams. You know, I had to act like a little thug. Like, what's up? You know, do all that whole thing. Drama was over. I had a friend of mine uh, or a disciple of mine that I had been reaching for some time. And he was from the hood. He was from Logan. There's a pl- an area there in, in San Diego called Logan, really bad area. And I've been working with him. He's tattooed down, got tattoos all over the place. And, and he was a little gangster from San Diego. He came up to me after, and he goes, hey, pastor, I want you to know something. I go, yeah, what's up? He goes, hey, all my homeboys, they came up, and I told them that the guy, the main character who was playing in the Street Dreams, that he's a pastor, they all tripped out. They all thought you were from San Diego. <laughs> I was like, really? Like, yeah, they all thought you were from Shelltown or something. That's another neighborhood over there. They thought you were from Shelltown. I was like, orale. <laughs> so I was scared. You know what? Ain't. <laughs> I don't have to be from the inner city to reach the inner city. Listen to me, because a lot of times you think, oh, okay, well, I have, to, I have to be black in order to reach the black community. I have to be white in order to reach the white community. No, I, I don't speak any Spanish. I can't reach the Mexicans. No, they're, 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 I, I can't reach them. See, all too often, far too often, we think I have to be of that culture, or I have to be of that color, or I have to be of that background. No, my friend, you just got to know your history of where you come from in your calling. And listen, when you understand that, there's an anointing that flows. I can't explain it to you. I've never been to the hood, but every hood I go to, there's just like an anointing that just breaks open walls. And I begin to reach and talk to gang members, talk to drug addicts, talk to inmates, talk to prisoners. And the anointing of God just falls. Listen to me, my friend. I want to challenge you. For those of you that say, well, I didn't grow up like that. I didn't talk like that. I didn't do those drugs. I didn't do that alcohol. But my friend, when you understand the calling and you understand the anointing, when you begin to walk in that anointing, the break, the, the bondages just begin to break and you begin to witness to people you begin to talk to people you begin to pray for people and something just begins to loosen 
right in front of your eyes. The anointing of God. You don't have to be of a certain skin color to reach another skin color. You don't have to talk a certain dialect to reach that type of culture. All you got to do is understand that God has given you an anointing. Can I hear an amen? We are also a ministry with an international focus. An international focus. Listen, my friend, we got to make sure that we don't become complacent. It's very important. I talked to our leaders the other day about this. We cannot become complacent by coming to the church just on a Sunday morning and just focus that way. Hold on, watch. Listen to my point. I got something for you. Listen to the point. Listen to me. If you understand who we are and what God has called us to do, we're not going to wait until we get five, six hundred, a thousand people and then say, okay, now let's start launching out people. No. We can go right now. We can go right out. We have an international focus. Right now, there is an open door of opportunity, an open window into Panama. Into Panama. One young man has come up to me and says, Pastor, I want to go to the UTC in Panama. I said, all right, come on, Johnny. You're going to go to the UTC. I just put you on blast right now, bro. Put you on blast, bro. That's what we do. We keep with that international focus, that international scope. Listen to me. I pray for those of you that some of you that, that, that God put a, a country on your heart, that it would continually stay kindled, continue to stay with that fire. It may not happen right now, but listen, my friend, keep it right there. Keep it on the burner. Don't take it off the stove. Keep it right there on the burner because we are a ministry with an international scope. Can I hear an amen? amen? And with that international scope, we are a ministry that is also committed to church planting. Committed to church planting. Every time I go to San Francisco, ugh, I was like, man, I, I, I'm, I'll just be honest with you. I want to put a church in San Francisco. Yeah. I do. I just, mm, I go there and they're like, San Francisco is just like, I, I feel like the world is a melting pot right there in San Francisco. It's got a, everything. You got, you got Asians, Samoans. And then, and see, look at it. And even when you say Asians, you know that there's like a lot of type of Asians. You do know that, right? There's a lot of, oh, they're Asians. Oh, you got Koreans, Chinese, South Koreans, North Koreans. Those are two different countries right there. I mean, you got uh, Cantonese. I mean, it's just a wide array of that. Then over there, there's so many Samoans, Tongans, Polynesians. Oh, my gosh. Balboa High School, I'll still never forget that. Those, those people are crazy over there. I mean, a ton of El Salvadorians, a lot of Mexicans. I mean, a lot, I mean, just everything. And when you go to San Francisco, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't even need to travel the world. I just need to go down Market Street. And like, they're all over the place. And believe me, when I go there, I say, God, just give me, give me the right time. Give me the right opportunity. Give me the right couple. Give me the right team. God, give me the right to, oh, because this is, this city is ripe. I mean, it's ripe. I mean, you got the projects over there, all these different projects and neighborhoods. You're like, oh, man, your heart just hurts. Pastor Gilbert was telling me that the, the other day they did an outreach over there uh, with Victory San Francisco. And you know, sometimes when we do an outreach and all the kids show up from the neighborhood, right, they have all the hot dogs and chips and, and the sodas, right, and you put it out on the tables, and then they're going to line up. He said that out there when they put it off the car, the moment they got it off the car, they started taking all the hot dogs. They're just like, oh, and they, they had to tell them, whoa, 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 they, so they didn't bring it out the car. They had to actually stop them all, and they had to tell them, line up, because they started taking all the food. Like, the moment they got out there, they're taking all the food. And Coralie was telling me, he said, hey, hold on, where's your parents? And the kids were like, oh, no, we didn't have breakfast, and we didn't have dinner last night. We didn't have nothing. So we're just, we're, you guys brought food. We're trying to take it. Oh, my gosh. I'm not talking about a third world country here. I'm talking about San Francisco. Oh, my gosh. Listen to me. God has called this church to be a church planter. Some of you right now, I know you think, well, I'm just in my life group. I believe that God is going to raise you up. God is going to get you prepared. And some of you, you're going to be launched on a team to not just go maybe across the world, but you're going to go across the bay. You're going to go right there. We got San Mateo. We got Milbrae. We got Redwood City. We got a lot of places right just across the bay, let alone across the world. 
Victory Outreach, God is calling us. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? Second to last thing of who we are is that we are a passionate ministry. A passionate ministry. I like what Howard Thurman said. He said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive. And then go and do that. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. What the world needs is people who have come alive. Listen to me, Victory Outreach. The one thing I love about Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, is that we are not a dead church. I love it when we sing that song. My God's not dead, he's surely alive. It reminds us. I don't serve a dead God. I don't walk into the foyer and rub the idol of a, a belly of an idol and say, this is the idol. Listen, that idol's dead. That idol didn't rise again from my sins. My God is alive. And so listen to me. If I got an alive God, I love to attend an alive church. I love to attend an alive church. I love to attend a live church. Listen to me. I know some of you guys, you live all different places all over the Bay Area, but one thing I've learned is that a church alive is worth the drive, and it's worth it. Every time you come here on a Sunday morning, my prayer is, is that if you were dead right before, that when you walk into the doors, all of a sudden your spirit gets lifted, the passion comes inside of you and says, hey, I'm ready to do what God has called me to do. Somebody say, I'm alive. I like what Abraham Lincoln said. He said, when I hear a man preach, I like to see him as if he was fighting off bees. It lets me know that he's alive. Come on. Let's go. Let's hear this. We can do it. Let's go to San Francisco. Karate kid this and karate kid that. Kick the devil in the mouth. If he did it last week, do it again. Alive. And the same way that our church is alive, I pray your life group is alive. Keep your life group alive. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And the last thing as I come to the piano here of who we are is that we are a persistent people. We are a persistent people. In other words, don't stop living for God. Don't stop living for God. Be a man and woman that continues on in the race. Keep going forward. Can I hear an amen? See, God has promises yet to fulfill within our lives. And I would hate for us to quit halfway through the journey. Estee Lauder said this, When I thought I couldn't go on, I forced myself to keep going. My success is based on persistence, not luck. Listen, my friend, Victory Outreach Heart and Victory Outreach International. We're not here because we do and have done everything right. We're not. Sometimes we get it wrong. And as your pastors, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I might get it wrong. I know that might be shocking to some of you. But sometimes we we get it wrong. We don't get it right all the time. But one thing I, I, I truly love about this church in particular is that, man, even though the battleship gets a hole in it, we patch it up, And we keep going. We'll keep going. The persistence. The persistence. The persistence. That's why when you you hear certain people and certain men and certain women, when they say, we've been married this long, I go, man, that's awesome. Well, I've been saved this long. Ooh, that's powerful. Because there is a powerful testimony in persistence. When I hear the stories and I look around and I say, man, what they've gone through. Even yesterday, Pastor Darrell was sharing a little bit of his testimony. I, I think maybe one of these nights I'll just have you come. Just share your testimony. Powerful. Powerful testimony how he came in here. And I'm not just talking about the testimony before he came to Christ. I'm talking about the testimony in Christ. After he got saved. I don't know what I would have done. I really don't. Man, it's powerful. I think most pastors would have gave up, to be honest. I really do. A lot of people don't know what you went through. I'll be honest, just by listening, because I know, I probably would have just asked somebody, come and take over. I can't do this. 
too much. What you went through with your daughter, the church went through, oof. That was difficult. Very difficult. So honestly, Darren, when I see you, I, it strengthens me because you went through stuff that I really don't know. I'm not going to share it. I'll let you share it. You should come. When he speaks, I'm going to speak on a, on a Thursday night or something. I'm going to have you speak. Just share it because it's heavy. It's heavy. Even when I think of Gina, I don't know. Uh, Gina, was, oh, my gosh. I don't know. I honestly still don't know how you do it, to be honest. I really don't. Her husband being in prison. My gosh. I've been away from my wife for just a couple of days, mad at her, like, oh, man, I don't want to see her. Forget this. And then I'll come back, okay, all right, it's good. But you, you've, you've been away for a while. That persistence speaks volumes. I mean, there's, there's some stories here in this church where I can't, I just can't imagine. Juan and Gloria, I wasn't even here for that old cancer thing, and poof. That's just, you guys blow my mind, I'll be honest. You guys blow my mind. How in the world, how some of you are still together and how some of you are still saved. I look at some of your guys' testimony, I don't even know how in the world you're still saved. Really. Really. I was talking with Yolanda the other day because we were talking about some of the pastors and things that have happened to pastors and how they've come back. Their marriages never made it. They just... That's it, we're done. Because the ministry takes a toll on you. And so we were talking the other day, and I even told them, I was like, honestly, I don't know how you guys made it. This is a miracle. Because according to statistics, they should not be not only saved, they shouldn't even be married. They should be done with, really. And I look at them like, oh my gosh, this is, it boggles my mind. But one thing that I love is that we have men and women that know their God. And because they know their God, they're a passionate people. And because they're a passionate people, that persistence just keeps them going day after day, week after week, month after month. They have a don't quit attitude inside of them. Even though the enemy tried to take them out, even the old enemy tried to kick them down, all of a sudden there's something that rises up inside of them and says, hey, I know that I'm called by God. God has separated me. God has called me. Even in the midst of all the storms, even in the midst of everything, and the enemy tried to take me out. I am still here. God has still called me. I'm still called. You're still called. You're still called.